Well, our next and last preacher this evening is our very own Brother David Riffle, and uh, I'm not going to take much of his time, but just want to express how much I appreciate Brother Riffle and his family and their continued faithful service to the Lord here, and one of the things that um, I really appreciate is uh, often when our family goes out of town, um, I will ask Brother Riffle to fill in and uh, preach, and I can honestly say that I have never once worried about what he was preaching, whether or not I was going to have to come back and fix some heresy or something like that. He's always faithful to the Word of God, and uh, and I am so thankful for that. And so, Brother Riffle, looking forward to hearing from you this evening. Thank you, sir. We'll take your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs 17. I just want to talk about a, a short phrase It's a three-word phrase that uh, has impacted my thoughts and my thinking for this coming year and uh, what I would like God to do in my life for this coming year. So a three-word phrase, we're going to find it in Proverbs 17 and verse number 27. It's used four times in the Bible. This phrase is used four times in the Bible, and we're going to look at all four times that it is used and see how it is used and how it applies to our life. The Bible says, he that hath knowledge spareth his words. So I guess I should stop now, right? <laughs> means, you know, if you know a lot, you don't need to say a lot. You don't have to talk a lot. Uh, people who are always saying something, you know, usually are not speaking out of knowledge. They're speaking out of ignorance or just babbling. My dad used to say I had the gift of gab. That's scary. That's dangerous. We need to limit our speech to the truth. Uh, wise people know that there's a time to close your mouth. But look how this verse is connected because the very next word in the verse is and. So it connects to that next phrase. Here's the next phrase. A man of understanding is of, and here's what I want to preach on, an excellent spirit. Everybody say that with me. An excellent spirit. That's our three-word phrase. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say that phrase to your neighbor. An excellent spirit. All right? And this is what I've asked God to give me this year. In the year 2024, I want to be a man known as a man of an excellent spirit. So what is an excellent spirit? Let's define it, and then let's give an example. An excellent spirit in this verse is connected to our words. So an excellent spirit is a person that controls their words controls their speech. They are controlled in their speech, but it's something from within that does that controlling. It's inside of you. It's in your spirit. It's that part of you that nobody sees. Luke chapter 4, verse 45, the last part says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And that's the truth because what's inside will come out. It's who you are on the inside that is the effect of what comes out in your words. I remember what Peter was told in Matthew 26, uh, where the woman said, Thy speech betrayeth thee. You know, Peter was always getting in trouble for the words he said. But because it was obvious the way and who he was based on his speech. First Timothy 4.12 says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. And here's this big long list that starts with in word, in your words, in your speech. When you open your mouth, your mouth tells on your heart. So the excellent spirit controls your words. And also your excellent spirit comes from, and it's linked with this understanding, a man of understanding. 
Where do we get understanding? And what is this understanding? Well, I submit to you tonight that this is understanding truth. Understanding right and wrong. And that kind of understanding cannot come from ourselves, come from within. We cannot generate this understanding, this kind of uh, wisdom. It's not just a knowledge, it's more than that. It's how to use that knowledge in a correct way. It's an understanding, and that cannot come within ourselves. This must come from God. We know wisdom comes from God, Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. An excellent spirit, a spirit of understanding Here it is, can only come from God. Fearing God, knowing God, being right with God, and yielding to His will for our life. It is not something we can psych ourselves up in in some New Year's resolution to accomplish. And this is where we get it wrong so many times, is that I I, I want to do this this next year. I'm going to be this new person. And so we slap ourselves in the face in the morning and say, all right, be a man of understanding. No, it doesn't work that way. Understanding comes from God, and it comes by us yielding to God and His truth and His way for our lives. I love what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. It's not our understanding that we need. It's an understanding of God and His truth for this coming year. But then also I see in this verse that it is an excellent spirit is one that maintains a calmness no matter what's going on around them. The Hebrew word here for excellent is actually a word that means cool or calm in the face of heat and the heat of a fire. So a coolness, almost like the water and the coolness in the middle of a raging fire. That is what an excellent spirit is because we understand that God is in control. And we had, when for a man of understanding who God is and what He's done in our life, then we'll understand that, okay, I can handle this. God's in control. Though the fire is raging around us and, and the world, and, and we're tempted to be under the circumstances. I remember a preacher used to say, what are you doing down there under the circumstance? no. We are above the circumstances. We are maintaining a level of calmness in the midst of the raging fire. That is an excellent spirit. So that's what it looks like in definition. And now let's see it illustrated and exemplified in an individual because the next three times we see this phrase, it's all in two chapters of your Bible in regards to one individual. Do you know who it is? Anyone know? Daniel. All right, turn to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 5. Wow, if anyone exemplified this truth of an excellent spirit, it was the man Daniel. He was in the middle of some serious fires, some difficult times, some wicked days, wicked people around him. And yet he stood out in the midst of this as a man with an excellent spirit. He was different than the rest. In fact, the first mention we see of him is in Daniel chapter 5. And I'm going to look in verse number 12. Daniel's excellent spirit 
was actually not, it wasn't Daniel that pointed out his own excellent spirit and said, hey, I've got an excellent spirit. No, it wasn't Daniel. And it actually wasn't even God that said this man had an excellent spirit. It was a heathen. It, it was a wicked king. It was a wicked queen who points this out. So look with me. Daniel chapter 5, let's back up to verse 10. O king, live forever. This is a queen speaking. Let not thy thoughts be troubled. Uh, let not thy countenance be changed. He had a whole bunch of reasons to be, uh, his countenance to be changed. This is Belshazzar, and God was placing his hand of judgment. He was experiencing the fire of God's wrath, and the fire was <laughs> coming out in Belshazzar in his anger. His countenance was being changed. And the queen steps in and says, Hey, there's a man in thy kingdom whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of thy father, the light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, the father made master of the magicians and astrologers and Chaldeans and soothsayers. That's how I actually came across this truth, was studying the wise men and Daniel's influence on the wise men as being part of the wise men. But Daniel had this spirit in Nebuchadnezzar's day, and now we see it here in Belshazzar's day, the queen pointing out that this man is a man of understanding. Verse number 12, for as much as, notice the next three words, an excellent spirit. Knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel whom king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation thereof. So this man, Daniel, was identified as being a man with an excellent spirit and as a heathen king that identifies it in him, that sees this as a dominant truth in his life. This word excellent is actually in Aramaic. It's one of the few parts in the Bible that are not Hebrew or Greek. It's Aramaic. And this word has to do with a preeminence, a dominant spirit. This was the dominant thing they saw in him. And it wasn't the superficial it wasn't how he looked on the outside. It wasn't how big a truck he had. It wasn't uh, how, how his house looked. It was what was on the inside that stood out. Look at verse 14. I have even heard of thee, this is the king speaking now, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom so verse 12, we had excellent spirit. Verse 14, we have the, the spirit of God's referenced again. Do you see how when they, the heathen talk about Daniel, they see him and they see their, their minds are immediately turned to God. Though they do not know this God, they say there's something that he's living for that's beyond this life, that's beyond the here and now, the superficial it's not about the superficial, it's about something much bigger. It's about understanding God. An excellent spirit will shape your whole life. Daniel's life was affected not just for this king, but for the next king and, and even to the next king. And you go to chapter 6 
verse number 3. And we see King Darius is also recognizing Daniel as a man of excellent spirits. The Bible says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because, here's the next three words, what are they? An excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So, this excellent spirit is a spirit that understands God, that knows God. All right, New Testament era. How do we have an excellent spirit? <laughs> if we're going to understand God, it's understanding the truth of salvation first. That we are sinners and that we need a Savior. That our only means of salvation is Jesus Christ and what He has done for us in His death, burial, and resurrection. And when we trust in Him as our Savior, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside. He quickens our spirit, makes us alive in Him. And now we can have an excellent spirit as we yield to the Spirit of God inside. And this is the key the yielding to the Spirit of God, saying, I cannot understand, but God, you know the beginning from the end, so I will trust you, I will trust your word. And as we continually depend on the truth of God's word, we will see in us an excellent spirit, not looking at the superficial, but allowing others to see in us a life that is turned Godward. If we were to ask your neighbors, your unsaved neighbors, your unsaved co-workers, your unsaved individuals that you know in your life, if I were to ask them what kind of spirit you have, what would they say? Would they recognize in you, would they recognize in me this kind of excellent spirit that turns individuals and makes their mind think Godward? God's emphasis here is on who you are inside. Who are we really on the inside? Do we lack wisdom? Yes, we lack wisdom. Do we lack understanding? James says, hey, you lack wisdom? Ask of God. He's the one that gives it. So how do we get there? Get there by allowing God, yielding to God and the Holy Spirit inside to change us day by day through the truth of His Word to be a man of understanding, to be a man of an excellent spirit. And He will do that change in our hearts. One quick illustration and we're done. I remember I was in college and I met a young teenage man that had just come to college as a freshman. And <clears throat> he was very awkward. He was uh, tall and nothing fit right. And he, he, you know, just, just an awkward guy. He was also very stubborn self-willed, and he could not stand rules. <laughs> he hated rules. He hated people telling him what to do. He did not like uh, his parents telling him what to do. And as is the case with many teachers that, or many teenagers that don't like rules and say, hey, I'm not going to, I don't want anyone telling me what to do. What do they do? Well, they go and join the Marines. And that's exactly what he did. Thirteen weeks at Paris Island, South Carolina. And the entire time, what was he doing? He was submitting every bit of his will to another, to his drill sergeant. 
He didn't lift a finger without his drill sergeant telling him to. And he didn't make himself into a, a Marine. The drill sergeant told him what to do. And at the end of the 13 weeks, he was not the same. He was a Marine. And the phrase goes, once a Marine, always a Marine. He was different. It, but it wasn't his own effort. It wasn't his own will. It wasn't his own desires. And it was simply him submitting his will to another. Submitting every bit of his life to another. And in that, the drill sergeant remade him, reshaped him into... Boy, the, the uniforms they wore, they were sharp. The way he moved, just his walk, his gait, his look, <laughs> totally different. So I wonder in my life, how do I become a man of an excellent spirit? Is by submitting completely to God's will to what God says. Let him be my drill sergeant to control every detail of my life, control my tongue, control the way I treat people, the way I respond, the way I react, the way I deal with situations around me and what's going on, the fires that come in my life. And to say, I will trust God. I will look to him for understanding, and I will yield and submit to His will in every area of my life and allow the Spirit of God to change me. Hey, 30 years from now, you'll be the person you're becoming right now. So who are we becoming? How are we changing? In 2024, let's let God shape in us an excellent spirit. Thank you, Lord, so much for the truth of your word, how it's challenged me. I pray that we'd be challenged throughout this year to continue to strive to submit our will to yours. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Riffle, for that excellent reminder from the word of God. In James chapter 4, verse 13, we read, Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. I don't know about you, but I have plans for 2024. I've got things on my calendar that I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, trips, hopefully, that I'll get to take. and Different things that some are exciting, some maybe not, maybe kind of plain. But 
you know, I've got plans. And I'm sure every one of you in here have some kind of plans. At least you're expecting to uh, make it through 2024 and at least do what you normally do. But you know, as we are here tonight on the eve of the new year, we need to be reminded, as Brother Riffle just said, the most important thing for us is to enter this new year completely surrendered to God's will for our lives. Not to do what we want, but to do what God wants us to do. So tonight I want to close our service out with a brief time of invitation. And in this invitation, I want to invite you to go before God and do one simple thing. I want you to surrender 2024 to God. Say, Lord, whatever your will is, I have plans, things I'd like to do, places I'd like to go, things I'd, I'd like to accomplish. But Lord, I, above all else, I want to do your will. So I surrender my life and my 2024 to you.